Hi, this is Joel Watson from HiJinxAndSue.com. You're listening to Alpha Geek Radio, you lucky son of a bitch. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Do not panic, ladies and gentlemen. The casuals have taken control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore Live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. For Sunday, the 28th of July, 2013, this is Casually Hardcore. I'm Gnomewise. I am Dexa. And I'm Grail. And they are sharing a microphone like the lovers that they are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, she says, in her pajamas, her sexy, <laughs> sexy pajamas. Yeah, right. Yes, listeners, I've just seeded your minds with images of Grail and Daxa snuggling over a single working microphone together in their jammies. All right. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a premature Barry White drop-in, because... I never said I was in my pajamas. Well, we know you don't have anything on. Come on, it's That's you. That's right. <laughs> that was just a foregone conclusion, Grail. Come on. I mean, <laughs> give us some credit for paying attention over all these years. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, convincingly. So we are working uh, via Skype today because I am up in the secret mountain lair. Yes, indeed. And they are... In their secret pajama lair, uh, back in the Valley of the Sun, eh? Hey. Yeah, pretty much. Did you turn? Can, did you go far north? Are you Canadian now? Good day. Make it go, eh? <laughs> Welcome to to day one, eh? No, I'm uh, I'm not quite in <laughs> quite in copy territory, but uh, farther north than usual. And we are bandwidth challenged here, which is why we are streaming only on the. Uh, Alpha Geek Radio stream. Uh, apologies to Versus the World and uh, Rivalcast Media. We just don't. The upstream here is, for some reason, pathetically smaller than usual. And I think it's going to get kind of entertaining, actually, when we try to bring callers on in the fourth half of the show. That and apologies for the late start, but the rig flamed out again. Uh, which is why, hey, segue. What I did there. It's like you planned that. What I did there. Did you see it? No, I didn't, didn't plan this in the white screen on me again. But uh, we have put forth an Indiegogo fundraising uh, widget. It is available from the front page of alphageekradio.com. Uh, we've deliberately gone kind of uh, ambitious on this one. Uh, I deliberately went with Indiegogo because it's one of those fundraising platforms where if we do not make our goal, everyone gets their pledged money back. So I don't, I don't want to do this halfway. I don't want to take people's money if we don't get everything we want to do for you out of the deal. Because we, we don't want to merely replace the broadcast rig. We want to go for video, which is something we've been aspiring to for a couple of years now. But what's been stopping us has been this rather large wall of uh, money between us and it. Because to do it right uh, is a not insubstantial investment. 
Now, we have had some good luck in the form of Doghouse Systems being willing to pledge us a rather large discount on one of their high-end, usually built for gaming rigs, but they're willing to customize a rig just for us for broadcast. So putting in the strengths where it needs to be large capacity, good performance drive, tons of RAM, uh, very good high-performance i7 processor and chipset, and shave quite a bit off the price. They're effectively offering to build us a $2,200, $2,300 laptop for around 1300 So that's a pretty substantial donation on their part. So if we are able to put together the donated funds to do that and take advantage of it, they will build a uh, machine specifically for us. Um, and in return, we will sing their praises uh, from the rafters because that's pretty damn awesome of them. And I've had a chance to play with Doghouse Systems machines at Nertacular as I was drooling over the one that I wanted to win and didn't <clears throat> again, but I'm not bitter. Uh, they make a fine piece of hardware, so check them out at doghousesystems.com. The thing I like about them mostly is not necessarily the really cool hardware, but their pledge to support it after the sale, which having worked for 10 years in retail and then since then in IT, that's a big, fat, hairy deal to me. So I always go back to places that treat me nicely and take care of me when I need stuff after they already have my money, which is why uh, Frog Pants does business with Doghouse and so do we. So check the front page of alphageekradio.com for details on how you can help us. We didn't set any fixed amounts, so you can donate as little or as much as you are comfortable and able. Um, also, I've had some uh, from Scott Johnson over at Frog Pants. He's donated 15 signed prints. So we set a goal there for people who, who the first 13 people to donate uh, $50 or more get uh, one of these signed prints sent to them. So thank you, Scott Johnson at frogpants.com for that. We appreciate your assistance. That's uh, really awesome. Yeah, it was really, I didn't ask for any of that. Uh, they had some really nice experiences with this. We had Total Biscuit earlier today without a peep from us uh, send out um, a missive to his throngs of Twitter followers saying, hey, you might want to check out and help these guys out. So thank you, John, for that very much. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, makes you feel kind of Warm and fuzzy. Warm and when, fuzzy. Yeah, when stuff that you oh That's yeah. going to ruin his reputation as like a, a grumpy man now doing nice things like that. Now he's going to tweet back saying, I take it back. He's a complete bastard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let the laptop burn. <laughs> it would appear my Twitter account has been hacked. So anyway, yeah, I was just actually watching the, the video that uh, he was a part of the uh, Pacific Rim training day. Um just do Pacific Rim Training Day, uh, Total Biscuit search on YouTube, and uh, go forth and be amused. And it's it's Total Biscuit uh, and and several other uh, game commentary uh, personalities done up in the Pacific Rim style armor, doing a, a parody of of gamers who have been recruited into the Jaeger program because of their uh, Twitch reflexes, trying to learn how to pilot Jaegers. Nice. Yeah, it doesn't go well. What do you mean I have yeah, to so move? So I have so to move this that. with my body? I, can't you just give me a joystick or a keyboard or something? No, <laughs> no, I have to move. What are you talking about exactly? Hmm. So please check out the Indiegogo fundraiser, and we appreciate any assistance you can give us. And we hope to replace the poor dying Dell XPS here, and also start bringing you uh, shining video content. Woo and ha. That'd be cool. Yeah. We're going to be internet famous. Speaking of internet famous, um, 
I am now famous on the interwebs, guys. Did you know that? No. What did you no. do? I'm Who not... did you have? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is it safe for work? <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, my, my voiceover career has begun. Uh, <laughs> you can check out uh, uh, Barry should be linking in the IRC the uh, video that I am uh, a part of in a tiny, tiny way at the very end. Uh, and I, I do the voice of Batman for a, a video on the internet. Nice. Ah, look at you. It's like a two-second, barely audible drop-in. But hey, I'll take it because <laughs> uh, famous on the interwebs, baby. Famous on the interwebs. And whoops, I'm sorry. I, how did you man? How did you end up doing that? That was another one of those weird Twitter moments. Of uh, Bill Meeks put out a tweet, said, "Hey, anyone out there with a good mic want to uh, record some lines in Batman's voice uh, for me?" And I actually didn't see that when it first went by. And then Cleo, who I uh, worked with at Nerdtacular and spent a lot of time in, in the Frog Pants IRC tadpool, uh, referred him over to me. And he just he sent me the lines that you record this in the Christian Bale style Batman voice for me. I, I need this to, to finish editing this video I'm putting together. I was like, sure. And he gave me like four lines. He used one of them in the in the video, and it was just doing the best, you know, Christian Bale with a frog in his throat, which is not, <laughs> exactly. not really that hard for, for, any, for anyone to do. Daxter could probably do this. Let's hear it, let's, <laughs> let's hear it Daxter. Come on. No, there is no way I can do that. Sure you can. Uh, my voice doesn't go that low. Go <laughs> chug like a fifth of really cheap gin and give it a shot. <laughs> smoke a cigar. That would probably help you the most. You, you have to like smoke an entire Cuban tobacco harvest like daily. <laughs> then you could probably pull it off. But I digress. I can't imagine how sore his throat was after like every day of shooting. <laughs> well, just imagine the guy who does the voiceovers for the just the movie trailers in general. In a world, just go from. Oh there. yeah. <laughs> was it um, at San Diego Comic Con? I think they were, or maybe it, it might have been at one of the cons that uh, Misha Collins, yes. who plays Castiel, mm -hmm. was talking. They were talking about how he, you know, he went in there with this character and he starts doing this really gravelly voice, and he's like, "It's the worst thing I've ever done because now I have to do it all the time, and I think I hurt something <laughs> doing that every uh, time I do it now." <laughs> I believe I have hurt myself. Yes. Yes. And it was funny because I guess the other actors. Uh, were making fun of him because they were like, what the hell is that guy doing? <laughs> Why is he making that voice like that? <laughs> Don't do it, man. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Castiello, the, the little bit of Supernatural that I've watched over Iolite's shoulder, uh, Castiello's kind of a standout character of, of awesomeness. Castiello's the bomb! Yeah, he's really good. He's got the best lines. So he's well written and and well acted. Well, I mean, his acting is pretty. I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's a good actor, except he's got like one expression most of the time, you know. But is it a good one? Yeah, it's yeah, a exactly. great expression. It's like the blue steel of acting. Yeah, uh, he's just kind of you know yeah, very... one look. <laughs> but it's the only one you'll ever need. Right. Magnum's right. under development though, so. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, so I'm going to avoid the drop-in desk because apparently something about our Skype configuration is making it blow people's ears off and stuff. So uh, we're going to have to sing Barry's intro together. You guys ready? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. We, we practiced this. Oh, we, were, we were never going to speak of that, aren't we? Not without alcohol. So joining us in the IRC, as per usual, is the one and only Barry Von Awesome. If you have something you want to bring to our attention during the show, please send a PM, a personal message, not peeing on, to Barry VA, and he will bring it to our attention. Don't PM or pee on the host during the show. You'll be summarily ignored because we try not to steer into the uh, black void too much because it makes for long silences during which the pajamaed ones will kiss and then we'll get completely off the track. So let's not go there, shall we, kids? Huh? Huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That sound you heard, kids, was the smacking of lips. But anyway, moving on, we have... (laughs) What? Shut up, fool. Yes, so coming from the Secret Mountain Lair, if you check out the front page of AlphaGeekRadio.com, you'll see that a raft of more uh, Bootstock videos went up, thanks to Paul DeNegris and UAT Digital Video. We have pretty much the entire set that Paul and Storm did, including the best 36 seconds on the internet. If you don't know what that is, go check it out after the show, because it's the best 36 seconds on the internet. I'm just going to leave it at that. You cool. guys you guys know what you We were showing you that last week, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. the little video of the cat. Sale, yes. Yes. That's all I'll say yes. about that. Yes. Because, I mean, it has to involve a cat if it's on the interweb. And if it's the best of anything, a cat must be featured prominently. And actually, the the whole comedy bit that Paul and Storm do is them explaining with Venn diagrams exactly why it is the the best. And, of course, it involves cats, animals falling down, and music, and they go into great detail, and it's it's very funny. But check out all those those new videos that are up on alphageekradio.com. We have a a multiple-choice call-in topic to seed in all of your brains for the fourth half of the show and i'm hoping and praying that the uh, limited amount of bandwidth i have up here can actually withstand you guys calling in i'm going to try and take calls just one at a time so i think conferencing in too many may cause this poor dsl modem to melt uh, into a pool of screaming goo but so as we approach the idea of adding video to our presentation uh, looking at this kind of fan-made production like what we do here, we've been doing podcasting for way too many years now, do you see video as something that supplements it? Or is video ultimately going to kill audio-only podcasting? And that assumes that technology continues to move forward at the pace that it has now. So assume you've got a pocket device with rock-solid data that follows you around that's capable of streaming video whenever you want it, which is hopefully where we're heading before too much awfully longer here. Do you think that that video is going to be the default go-to where people won't even consider you if you're only doing audio, or is there still always going to be a place for radio-like content uh, in in the listener base? You know, where do you think it's going? Is video going to replace it, or is video going to sit alongside audio-only production? We plan to continue to do both, release it in both formats. But I'm curious to hear what you guys had to say. And also, as you'll hear from some of the stories we're going to talk about today, uh, we've had some great news and some interesting news out of the Kickstarter world. 
uh, we're of course before too much awfully longer going to be talking about uh, a certain game that I'm certain uh, my co-hosts have been playing this week. Am I wrong? No, you're wrong about one of the co-hosts. I know. I haven't had a chance. I was barely getting my Steam account up so I could download it. Shadow Run returns, and you haven't played it. I know. Don't make fun of me. I'm, I love am, that game. I am openly mo- How can you say that? You haven't played it yet. I have to mock you now. Well, I have real-world stuff going on. Well, there is that. Like, I've played any games this week, so I can't really well. I'm going to throw stones anyway because that's how I roll. <laughs> Shut it. I'll so, be playing it after we hang up, though. But here is... After we finish the show. But that's an example of you guys back to Kickstarter, and they delivered. And yeah, I, I, Heck yeah. I mean, I know we're going to get into it, but I would say it's probably the first really well-backed Kickstarter to actually deliver a product. Yep. So there's a very warm, gaming. a very happy Kickstarter, happy ending. And then another story out of Kickstarter this week was a board game that was Kickstarter for, you know, they were asking for 35 grand. They got 110 grand, 120 grand. And they basically posted something on their site saying, yeah, that's never going to get delivered. And maybe there will be refunds. And the whole, the whole situation is shrouded in kind of mystery. But they basically have come out and said, we're not going to deliver it, even though it's finished weird goings on with this particular one but it's a matter of when you hear these kinds of stories coming out of kickstarter does it make you less likely to kickstart something that looks really good to you so we have the 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 two opposite ends of the spectrum we have just received a delivery of Shadowrun returns and there was rejoicing and then this other one of them we might possibly just be taking the money and running so that's another thing you can you can call in to comment on if you so desire so video versus audio, fan productions going forward, and how are you? what's your vibe coming off of Kickstarter these days with the uh, varying sets of news that are starting to come out as these projects start to mature? Boo right. upon ya. And I would say also, I mean, there's a comment in the Black Void about wasn't uh, FTL or Faster Than Light a Kickstarter, and I believe it was. But it wasn't to the magnitude of what Shadowrun Returns, where it was like over $4 million given to that game. I believe FTL was sub a million, uh, if I recall correctly. So I, I considered this one, like, along with the uh, sequel to uh, Wasteland, that one got a ton of money. The, the adventure game coming out from the guys who did, like, Sam and Max, that one's got a ton of money. Uh, Project Eternity has a ton of money. But so for the ones that have gone like over millions of dollars, Shadowrun was the first one to actually come out and say, here you go, here's a final product. And Gaunt in the Black Void, yes, you've named it perfectly. Will video kill the podcast star? And no, I'm not. Right. <laughs> I will not be singing along with the Buggles, don't ask me. But I digress. All right, so what have you guys been up to this week? Uh, one of you has been playing uh, Shadowrun Returns, right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I got to play it. I got a... Uh... Uh, kick-ass uh, orc physical adept running around. Uh, I've played, God, I don't know. I play, uh, I actually, I mean, it's nice thing it's on Steam. I can probably look and see exactly how much I've played, but mm-hmm. it feels like I've played probably three to four hours. And are they three or four hours well spent? I mean, it sound, you sound upbeat, you, and you're not immediately going, yeah, they delivered that. So that's a good sign, I take it, from when you get to the gaming section, that they've delivered yeah, at, least, yeah. at least an adequate well, deliverable. Well, 
we'll dive into to it. But overall, yeah, it's been really good. Okay, five hours played according to nah. Steam. <laughs> um, Steam will will not let you lie. Underestimated that a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's been really good. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it in the gaming. Excellent. <laughs> Le- teaser. Teaser. It's been hiding out, uh, snuck up to the secret mountain lair late Friday afternoon, and had the, the joy of driving in in the pouring rain, which is actually kind of what we come up here for, so can't bitch too much. Um, and just enjoying the, the sweet mountain air, and not enjoying the uh, the anemic DSL. So we got to get with uh, ISP up here and see what happened. This used to be a heck of a lot better than this, and all of a sudden it ain't no more. But otherwise, can't can't bitch. Secret mountain lair, cool mountain breezes, secret location where no work-related kind of stuff can find us, and yeah, no bitching. That's cool. Very cool. I finished watching Arrow. Ah, you're caught up. Yep, caught up all the way to the end. And it's very good. I'll definitely watch season two. That one surprised me. I mean, it. it I mean, as basically a spinoff. Of Smallville, and what I would argue be as much as I love Green Arrow, I know that I know that he's a B character in the DC stable uh, versus you know you can say Superman or Batman to the average non nerd, and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. And then you say Green Arrow, and they're like, "Oh, is that the guy with Aww. the is that the guy with the ring?" Uh, you know, <laughs> There's you know one too many green uh, characters in their like in their uh, what's the word I'm looking for here we got pantheon in their of their godlike characters, but they seem to have, have have got that formula down of how to make. I guess we can blame Uncle Joss for this one because they seem to all be following the Buffy the Vampire Slayer style formula of how to get that demographic of you know 18 to 32 year old females in to watch your show and step one give a male lead a, a rocking six-pack and a, a long brooding stares and a dark past yeah yeah i guess so yeah i mean he's really cute but the girls in him are really pretty too yeah in, in an extreme kind of way i like the the one uh Oh, now, now these days, obligatory nerd girl. Um, is it? Uh, oh yeah, Felicity? she is so not a nerd. I mean, no, I mean, she, oh, the hacker chick or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah air, air quotes like, hacker. Yeah. Yes. Really? Yeah. That's your IT department head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, not saying that she couldn't be, but it definitely breaks from the norm of what you would see in normal <laughs> IT departments in, in, in the real <laughs> world. Yes, it's not yeah. what we're used to running into there, guys. Just saying. We attract yeah. a certain demographic into our industry, and she's not it. Yeah, that's, that's a, a definite departure. But I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a show. It airs on the WB, doesn't it? It certainly has a WB feel to it. I think it does. I don't know. Obviously, we're watching it from Amazon, Amazon Prime, yeah. so we're just catching up on the season. But I think, and it that's the feel. I mean, everybody in the show is beautiful. Good-looking. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Even the bad guys are gorgeous. Right. So John it's, it's, it's definitely meant that everybody is very modelish. <laughs> Strike a pose. Hi, I'm on Arrow. <laughs> but it's been good. I mean, actually, I went and started watching it from the. I'd caught a couple of episodes while uh, Daxel was watching it, and I thought it was okay. And then I went back and started from the beginning, and actually, like surprisingly, which is a break from norm, their pilot episode was really good. 
Like it was one of the better ones I think I've seen. Well, they had they had uh, established the character somewhat in its appearances mm-hmm. on Smallville, so they weren't starting right. cold. And I think it shows that that a lot of the same writing team was involved, and they already had something of a handle on how they wanted to give the character his background. Yeah, and it's but it's interesting because I mean I think this one it, they definitely are walking the fine line to, for somebody coming in to go well that's Batman's origin story basically somewhat and well it's asked, with a twist I mean uh, yeah uh, yeah there's uh, there's spoilers. twists to it but in the end he's dealing with the loss of a parent he's you know which drove drove him to you know protect his city now. There's definitely some nuances to it that are different than Batman, uh, both in the role that his parent had in getting the city to where it was, right? Uh, as well as how the the parent actually ended up dying. But I mean, I think they've done a good job of of dis of creating enough separation that you're he's an interesting story by himself without having to go to that comparison. But when they first started off with the story, you're like, oh man, this sounds a lot like Batman. <laughs> yep. Well, plus the killing. I mean, you know, Batman's not someone who just off people. So yeah. 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 So that cool. was shocking, you know, at he first. Definitely. Superheroes he he doesn't be. have that line that, that Bruce has. And an interesting choice they've made is fact basically the first season has been a season long origin story because large chunks of it are told in flashback. Yes. Which I like that though. It it's kind of neat. It could have been really annoying and they generally have done a pretty good job of it of, of not dragging it out while at the same time dragging it out. And I think that's just that's good writing so you know kudos to them for that <laughs> yeah they do a really good job of mixing in how he's feeling currently and they flash back to why he's feeling that way currently mm-hmm. i think i like i really i've enjoyed those yeah they've it's done good. They could, that could have been a really crappy mechanic and they pulled it off well all right that brings us to our first break so I've got a little, uh, just feeling a little nerd and nostalgic. So I got just got Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm queued up today. So first one out of the gate, Code Monkey, just to make you all feel good about being alive. You are listening to Casually Hardcore from the secret mountain lair via the miracle of the tubes and the Skypes and the low bandwidth. Oh, my God, I'm surprised it's working. We'll be back right after this. Hey, Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants at frogpants.com, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Code Monkey, get up, get coffee. Code Monkey, go to job. Code Monkey, have boring meeting with boring manager Rob. Rob say Code Monkey, very diligent, but his output stink. His code not functional or elegant. What do Code Monkey think? Code Monkey think maybe manager wanna write goddamn login page himself. Code Monkey not say it out loud. Code Monkey not crazy, just proud. Code Monkey likes Fritos. Code Monkey likes Tabitha Mountain Dew. Code Monkey very simple man with big warm fuzzy secret heart. Code Monkey like you. Code monkey like you Code monkey hang around at front desk Till your sweater look nice Code monkey offer buy you soda Bring you cup, bring you ice You say no thank you for the soda Cause soda make you fat Anyway you busy with the telephone 
chat. Could Monkey have long walked back to Cubicle? He sit down, pretend to work. Could Monkey not thinking so straight? Could Monkey not feeling so great? Could Monkey like Fritos? Could Monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew? Could Monkey very simple man? Big, warm, fuzzy, secret heart. Code monkey like you. Monkey thinks someday he have everything, even pretty girl like you. Code Monkey just waiting for now. Code Monkey says someday, somehow. Code Monkey like Fritos. Code Monkey like Tab and Mountain Dew. Code Monkey very simple man. Big, warm, fuzzy, secret heart. Code Monkey like you. Geeks in a Gaming World. Casually Hardcore continues live on alphageekradio.com. We are geeks and we are in the gaming world, which means I turn it over to Grail. <laughs> what? What? He is more in touch with this than I am. I defer to... The higher power, you, 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 you two, you two can duke it out amongst yourselves about which of you receives it. I'm gonna hand it over to the the couple on the other end of the Skype, and they can fight for it. There you go. There's your pass. It's all yours, Grail. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the demand be referred to as the higher power from now on, though. I don't know how to put this, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm kind of a higher power. All, all right, right. So yeah, obviously, what, I'm gonna start with Shadowrun Returns. Then what a surprise. Um, I yeah I unlike others in this household shut it downloaded it the day it came out and started playing it. Um, it's been really really good. It's it's obviously uh, a turn based game with some like you're you're basically when you're doing your uh, reconnaissance for your job or running around talking to people. That's all kind of real time. Uh, when you get into fights, it becomes turn based. So it's very a la like Fallout One and Two in the gameplay mode. Um, really nice job so far of kind of recreating all the stats are there. Uh, interesting leveling system using karma that you earn from doing missions and doing quests and stuff, uh, that you upgrade your character. And as you upgrade, you unlock different abilities based on whatever class you are. Uh, they even put in the ability where you can just create your own class. You don't have to go with one of their templates, which again is very Shadowrun. Um, the... The graphics are really nice. It's really, really well done backgrounds and scenery going on. I can attest to that. I saw him playing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we let's see. I'm trying to think what else. So lots of reading, though. Like, lots of reading. <laughs> it's a very story, story heavy. 
very story heavy, very like giving you information about the background of the world, what's going on. Um, lots of just details about just because I mean, Shadowrun is a vast freaking world that they've put in there. It has everything from magic to cyber technology to these mega corporations and the interplay and the politics between them. And then there's governments that also have come into play and just this huge blend, you know, racism. And now, now races is actual different races, though. So it's no longer a skin color issue. It's, is you know, humans not very happy with orcs running around their town or whatever. Um, and elves hating everybody, like always. Yeah. So, and you got dragons and just everything. So it's a real rich and complex world. So they spend a lot of time talking to you about what's going on and a lot of your legwork you're doing involves reading a lot and kind of using different skills out of combat to like figure out like if I'm breaking into a corporation, I can either just go in guns blazing, I can try to get a, a you know, distract the person and get a blank ID card which then I can modify to look like a real ID card and try to sneak past that way. I can find a secret entrance I, by starting a fire in this kitchen and distracting people through doing that and that but i need a decker to be able to unlock the door so there's a lot of of different game choices you can make so i think that's been really good um unlike current games though there is no tutorial though you (laughs) you are thrown in and there's like a help link and you can look up stuff in there so that was a little different it's definitely you know i think this generation's been a little more coddled in their gameplay, and a lot of companies just said we don't want to print instruction books anymore. Uh, when we and also in the digital age, you know, you really you get that as like a PDF, maybe. So it was a little different to to have a game that you just get thrown in, and for the most part, everything's pretty intuitive. But there's been a couple times where I'm like, how do I like unsummon the spirit? Like this guy's driving me up a wall. I just want to get rid of him. Like how do I do this? So. I'm picturing um, the guy but, from Hellboy that they raised near the end to show them their way through the labyrinth. Like, You're so negative. Can you carry this guy for a while? Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's been really good. It's a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, I mean, I'm I'm five hours into the to the campaign that it comes with. Uh, the the studio Hairbrained uh, Schemes is working on the second Kickstarter funded campaign, which is going to be set in Berlin. This first one's, of course, set in Seattle, which is like the prime city for for Shadowrun's universe. And Isn't it, it also the, the prime city for all their... universes. Say what? Isn't that the prime city for all universes, including ours. Ah, uh, it's a great city. But it depends on the game system, because some of the game systems like places like L.A., God help us. (laughs) (laughs) New York and stuff like that. New York City. The cool ones are set in like Seattle or Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) Especially Chicago. Jim Butcher, shout out. All right. That's right. So it's been really good in in that regard. Um, And it comes with the editor. So basically the editor they use to make all of the main campaign is included with it. And they're setting up a whole distribution. Like you can put out your own missions and let people download them and play their characters through it, or start a new character and play through it. And they're already had because some of the Kickstarter levels allowed people early access to the editor before the game even came out. So you already had people developing things like hostage scenarios and all kinds of crazy stuff before the game even released. Um, so I think that's going to be a real rich place just to you know keep the keep 
give the game legs beyond just the main campaign. And for those who played, you know, the pen and paper version of Shadowrun, you can, all those campaigns that you loved, that you remember, that you played with all your friends years ago, you can now put those and make those into a game. That's the same, you know, selling point that, you know, Neverwinter Nights had was basically, you want to do D&D? Make it up. Here you go. Run with it, kids. Yeah, yeah. It's very set in that vein. And, I mean, again, kind of back to our question, one of the questions we had was, like, Kickstarter, and, you know, we've seen good examples and bad examples. I'll tell you, in general, I find myself gravitating, if it's, like, a proven person that's coming to Kickstarter going, I have this really cool idea, I need money to do it, or I have this really cool idea, and but my company's not 100% behind doing it, so I'd rather do it on the side, I tend to be more backing of that than like somebody who doesn't have any credentials and just kind of like, I have this great idea. It's like, well, that sounds cool, but you know, we'll get into the story of this board game where basically they use the Kickstarter funds to try to fund a company. And, and, and not- the names on the front of the Kickstarter were reputable names and actually devel- developed and delivered the product. And the people who put up the Kickstarter were the ones who were going to distribute, and that's where it fell apart. Right. So it, the right. idea of going with good names that you trust fell apart in that case. Hand going yeah. on there. It, it can be difficult to, to determine. I mean, this one, in this case, it was enough to know. It's like, okay, it's the guy that made Shadowrun, and Harebrained Schemes already had a proven track record with some of their uh, iOS games. Um, they did a Crimson Pirates game that was really well done, uh, as well as a couple others. So it was enough to make me worth backing it. That and meeting him at PAX also with their excitement. Like they were excited about this game. And they had apparently gotten double booked in a room. So they had to be in this tiny, tiny little room. And they made the best out of it. They packed as many people as they could in this tiny little room. Everyone was sitting on the floor. The fans were so excited about this game. And I think that helped... That helped you reassure you that your money was well spent with not only the creators, but also all the fans being so excited and willing to do anything to get this game out. Yeah. See, and and, and think, they delivered. Yeah, and they delivered. That's obviously the big part. But, I mean, another game that I kick-started was uh, Project Eternity, which is made by the guys that did, like, the Baldur's Gates and Pl- uh, Planescape Torment. I mean, they had a pretty big pedigree coming in. But, like, they send me, like, weekly emails. Like, here's a massive project update of where... I mean, they treat it like it's a project plan, and we need to send out the communication to give you the status and give you some insight into kind of what we're working on and what our timeline's looking like. So I think that level of communication with anything that you kickstart is just really good because it makes you feel like, okay, I understand what's going on. I feel my money's being used great. You know, keep... You know, carry on, guys. Excellent. Yeah. More, more like that, please, and you will continue to get our money. No doubt. So this one you put in here uh, caught my eye, the all-you-can arcade idea. Yeah. Think of it yeah, as, that's interesting. Think of it as Netflix for full-size arcade cabinets, something I would never have dreamed of until I saw it, and now it makes a kind of sense. Um, so we have, this is from... Apartmenttherapy.com, what an interesting name. Uh, All You Can Arcade brings real retro gaming back home, literally. And they go on to say, think of All You Can Arcade as Netflix, except instead of the little red envelopes being delivered for recipients to enjoy for a limited time, this gaming service ships full-sized arcade 
machine cabinets directly to homes for members to enjoy. Surprisingly, all without delivery charge tagged on. And in regards to party entertainment ideas, this seems almost as cool as a slot car birthday party for both little and big kids alike. All You Can Arcade charges $70 for one month of free play for each machine. And don't be shady and tell friends quarters are required. With the selection of games available dependent upon location. So basically, they'll for 75 bucks, they will bring a cabinet out and set it up to be free to play for 30 days. And then when you're done, they'll come get it. Right. Or you can rent the same one, you know, another month, or you can switch it out with the new cabinet. Right, just keep handing them seventy-five a month, and you'll have a full-size video game cabinet in your home every month. With yeah, that's freaking awesome. I, I mean, I went to the site and immediately put in my zip code <laughs> to see what was available in my area, but there was nothing available. Damn it! Aww. Come to Arizona. So I know in. In the article, they mentioned that it's like, I guess they checked in the L.A. area. They didn't have anything available. But, like, around San Francisco, there was, like, a bunch of machines available. And so I guess it just depends where you're at. I'm assuming behind the scenes they've gone out to collectors and people who run arcades and and had them buy into this and put certain cabinets into the rotation. Um, But what what a novel concept. I'm not sure how successful they're likely to be, but if I were... You know, throwing a like a nostalgia party or something. I I would pony up you know one hundred and fifty, hundred and uh, you know two hundred twenty five yeah. bucks to get a couple three machines in for the party. Yeah, it's not bad, and it's funny. It's like comes right on the heels of if you've been following Penny Arcade, the fact that uh, uh, Gabe or Mike basically set up a ar- nostalgic arcade in his garage. Yeah, he had a hard time finding reputable people to buy from. It looked like. Right, right. Yeah, he actually looked around, looked around. He finally found a guy, I think it was like in the Midwest somewhere, that had a bunch of, and gave him like a really good deal because he was buying like eight cabinets. Right. And uh, said they came, they were in really immaculate, you know, look great and all function. And so, you know, it's something I'm, I'm curious to see. I almost want to look at like how much does that cost? Because if it ends up being you're spending like 400 bucks for a cabinet, you know, seventy-five bucks a month suddenly is like, well, that's you know, I'd almost rather just buy the damn cabinet than at that point. But if it's higher, like you know, between five hundred and a thousand or even more, then this rental thing might be might be something to do. Well, yeah, and also with the rental, you'll never have to repair it because you know, part of the mm-hmm. ongoing well, the things I've seen is this whole subculture of people who collect and maintain and upgrade these cabinets. So the ones that Gabe got were all upgraded, so they weren't CRTs anymore. They were all flat panel swapped out, so right. they, they're running a ton less heat, less electricity, much better screen with no burn-in problems. And whole people who trade and upgrade the motherboards and have the ROMs available and you will do component-level repair because you can't just buy a new motherboard. You have to right. you know, resolder individual components to keep these things going. And there's this whole support structure there. But you, if, if I have you know a super modern version with a gorgeous flat panel screen with really durably um, refurbished controls, I'd, I'd lay out some money for that if I had any disposable income, which I don't. But I'm dreaming here, so let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's not only that, just the space issue for yeah. me. Yeah, where That's the hell the... to put it comes into the equation there. Right, right. Like, I don't have a garage. I can just say, I don't need to park anything in here anymore. <laughs> so, If it wasn't 2,000 degrees outside, we could do that, but not right now. Yeah. I'm in the mountains. You guys should come next time. 
You really should. Yeah, well, I can tell you, I mean, it's always been a dream of mine to have a Street Fighter II arcade cabinet. Like, I would love to have that in my house. <laughs> hmm. Writing that down for future holidays and birthdays. Never going to happen because Daxa would kill me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one's on you, Daxa, because only you can authorize the entry of that kind of thing into your home. Yeah. Oh, no. Feel free to buy it. If you want to buy it, <laughs> buy it. <laughs> Alrighty, then. There's your answer there, girl. Full support uh, from yeah. the spouse. No, it's, yeah, because, man. I was I was good at that back in the day. <laughs> Probably not anymore. Say, Especially you, now you... when I when I watch like the Evo tournament, I'm like, oh yeah, I really wasn't that good apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, these people are ridiculous. All right, so which one do you want to go to next year? Uh let's see. How about we do the stats from the Steam Summer Sale? The very interesting numbers. Yes, so we're we're just freshly off of that, as many of our wallets can attest. Yeah, let me uh, get the page up here. Okay, so yeah, this basically a Kotaku article uh, followed, uh, I guess it was somebody on Reddit that came up with a bunch of uh, infographics on what happened this last, you know, about a week ago uh, for the Steam Summer Sale and gave some stats around it. Uh, 273 total sales occurred from the 11th to the 22nd. Meaning not games sold, but games put on sale pricing. Right. Just total number of times things were on sale. 183 of uh, games, unique games, were featured during those sales. So almost 100 games were re-featured multiple times. Because of the voting, yes. I'm sorry, 66 games were repeated. Uh, 48 got repeated two times, 13 were repeated three times, and five were repeated four times. And following the uh, video game deals uh, subreddit, there was a lot of complaining about the ones that got featured five times. <laughs> like, especially Borderlands 2 seemed to be on sale like every other day, it felt like. It was Borderlands I mean, 2. It was like five times, and man, it felt like it was up a lot. Well, because it was Borderlands 2, Chivalry, Civ 5, and Skyrim. Uh, the which expansion was that? Well, it was Skyrim, the Legendary Edition. Okay, so the, it was with all, all the DLC. The new bundled uh, version. And then Torchlight 2 also. Yep, got four, uh, got featured four times. Right. So it was interesting, but like I guess in comparison to previous sales, uh, Valve products did not go on sale an uh, uh, inordinate amount of times. Uh, so in this case, you only had Portal 2 go on sale twice. You only had Half-Life 2 go on sale once. Well, consider that, you know, they haven't really released much of anything. Yeah, you know, Half-Life 3, though, it's under development. <laughs> sure it is. Half-Life 3 verified. We said we said the number three. I swear they must use that probably as, like, collateral when they go to loans. They're like, yeah, but, you know, we can pretty much whip out Half-Life 3 whenever we want, and that's going to be worth... You know, X billion dollars. So I just don't understand. I just don't understand how a studio can have their prime, one of their prime properties that they apparently have chosen to not develop. I mean, yeah, what the hell? There are people who would kill or die to have a property that popular, and they're just right. like, meh, we don't feel like it. Yeah, we'll just sit on it for a while, <laughs> forever. <laughs> Guys, you know, the, the the good feelings of the player base are not infinite, okay? And the longer you wait, the higher our expectations are getting. So 
Maybe you'd like to deliver something. Remember that whole idea of the chapters of the story you were going to release? Yeah, that yeah, that thing that you never did. Yeah, you never even finished that. You released like two chapters, and it was incomplete for Half-Life 2. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh well. <sighs> Anyhow, so some of the other interesting stats were that there were 31 community choice votes held, which is basically uh, every eight hours they put three games up and allow the community to vote and pick which ones they wanted to, to uh, have go on sale next. And out of those 31 uh, community choice votes, only five games were unique that they never went on sale other than that one time that they got voted in. And, uh, the, the, community, and then, the, the community is mainly the reason why so many games got repeated is that people just wanted the same stuff over and over again. Oh, I missed the sale. Put it back up. Yeah, or they're just like, oh, I've heard of Torchlight 2. I'll click on that. It's like, yeah, that's great, but Torchlight 2 we already knew was going to be a daily sale. Like, why would you click on that? <laughs> so... Oh, well, I just work here. Uh, and then some goofs that happened. Probably the biggest one that got the most negative feedback towards Valve was the uh, day one. They put Civilization Five on sale, which included a trickle-down sale to the uh, expansion pack brand new, uh, Brave New World, which had just got released. And you had a lot of people that pre-ordered going, what the hell? Yeah, you, just took, you like, just took full money from me and you instantly put it on sale? Assholes. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was like a boo-boo. That, they didn't intend to do that. Right, right. So they ended up doing some compensation for folks that pre-ordered, gave them a free copy of Civ Four, um, gave them a 10% discount. So it was, you know, they tried to correct that. And then some other things, which I don't know if these were goofs or not, but, like, when they put Tomb Raider on sale, like, the entire back catalog minus one game for Tomb Raider went on a crazy deal where you get them all for, like, two bucks yeah. uh, total. Uh, same with uh, Just Cause Two went on sale, and Just Cause One became like twenty eight cents. <laughs> so I like I the I cool. like the bit at the bottom where they summarized: if you were to buy every game featured in the sale, it would have cost you one thousand five hundred ninety six dollars and ninety six cents in U S dollars. With that much money, you could get six hundred forty one Man Company uh, supply crate keys, two hundred sixty six portal gun portal sentry turret figurines, or eleven portal gun replicas. But if you, also, if you break that down, it's like $8.72 a game. Pretty smoking deals. That is a smoking deal. And that's the whole point. That's, that's why we love Steam, and Steam needs to continue, because that's the way to sell games. Looking at, yeah. you, looking at you, everyone, not Steam. Well, it's, I mean, they had more competition this you know, summer sale, where a lot of other sites we mentioned last week were doing sales as well. But it's still the... The granddaddy. I mean, it's like somebody saying, like, Best Buy sent me an email this week saying, oh, it's a Black Friday sale in July. It's like, yeah, but that's not really a Black Friday. Exactly. Like, Black Friday happens in November. It's the day after Thanksgiving. That's when the real sale happens. Exactly. <laughs> and anything so, else is just a pale imitation. Exactly. But, but Steam has made it now where, like, pretty much I earmark 60 bucks for the summer sale and I earmark 60 bucks for the winter sale. And usually I spend right around that amount because there's just stuff that's piled up that I'm like, oh, that's such a great deal. I got to get that. And it goes into the ever-expanding Steam backlog. Yep. And they thank you for your contributions. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so let's see. What other stories? Squeeze one more quick one in here. Do I do the uh, Minecraft or the... Poor, poor Blizzard Entertainment falling to merely 7.7 .7 million subscribers in WoW. 
I'm kind of torn on this because I think both are interesting stories because I know you're putting in the one about the fact that uh, Active Blizzard is basically buying themselves out from under Vivendi Entertainment. I think it's a good uh, thing. And so in coinciding with that news, there's the fact that World of Warcraft subscription base just keeps going down and down. I mean, 7.7 million, it's hard to feel too bad for a company that's raking in still just untold numbers of cash off this game that was released in 2004. Yeah. Really but hard it's... to shed a tear about those numbers. Uh, again, every other MMO developer would kill or die to have you know, one quarter that level of subscribers. Right, right. So, I mean, but yeah, it's it's an interesting story. It's, again, Bobby Kotek making his move, and it's, it you know, they come off as obviously just very money-centric, which yeah, but is I think, too bad. Yeah, but I think the idea of, of getting their independence back from Vivendi Universal may not necessarily be a bad thing. Um, right. It's still Bobby in charge, but... And yeah. you, know, you look at, I mean, Diablo 3, yeah. The launch yeah. that one, it, I mean, it, it was a financial success, but it was riding on Diablo 2's coattails. If it hadn't, right. if it had been just a release, I think it would have gone way worse. And ultimately, people who look at it say, this didn't deliver on the promise. This was not the game that anybody wanted. And no, not, not at all. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely also some really great alternatives out there. Um, I picked up Torchlight 2 on the Steam sale. And the little bit I've played of it was really cool and back to it's kind of a Diablo 2 vibe. Uh, Path of Exile also is a great Diablo 2 successor. So they they definitely have that challenge. But, you know, a lot of their big push right now is to localize uh, Diablo 3 for the next generation consoles. We'll see. I mean, they, they've arguably had success with StarCraft 2, despite the obvious, oh, yeah. the obvious cash grab of splitting it into three games. Um, but the the core game is, has been very well received, um, and even with dropping subscriptions, you know, WoW continues to be the the money, the cash cow they need to fuel everything else. The news about yep. Titan going back to square one, uh, we'll see what they wind up delivering there, and how many more years is going to be before we see that. So, because what else do they have? They have the you know, likely to be, to be announced later this year at BlizzCon next expansion to WoW. Sure. They've got the final expansion, you know, the Protoss expansion for StarCraft Two. Right. And that's it. That's all that's been announced. I mean, I would expect at some point an expansion to a Diablo Three, a la Lord of Destruction expansion for Diablo Two, but nothing's been announced yet. Right. So they don't have a ton in the pipeline. So eventually, I I think you know the reason why they went back to square one with Titan is they understand how much of their fate rests on this thing delivering. Right. Because if it doesn't, then what have they got left to sustain them? So if they did Starcraft three, <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, rushing that out the door would go over so well. Yeah. World of Warcraft two. I mean, they can just be iterative, but, um, we'll yeah, no, it's, it's a challenge for them. So we'll see. Obviously, you know, if the subscriber numbers are anything, though, their talk, their clock is starting to tick. Yeah, visibly. It was, it was ticking the whole time. It's just now we're now seeing the undeniable effects of you know, just you, you can only iterate on World of Warcraft so many times with these expansions before people are like, yeah, 
it's more of the same with pandas this time and you know next time it's going to be more of the same in the emerald dream or or whatever they pull out of their butts yeah probably playing as like pixies or something <sighs> don't uh, give them ideas yeah so real quick before we go to break the other one i thought was interesting though which was the minecraft creator notch basically came out and said hey xbox one's dev policy now for third-party developers is actually not looking bad um which is, you know, for Xbox One, any little news any that good is, press is amazing press. Yeah, it's like, oh my god! Well, and <laughs> not, but actually, Notch is only saying this after Microsoft reversed yet another decision. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Like, you guys really made some bad choices, but so far they've also backpedaled and said, okay, we're going to switch this decision. So I'll give them credit for at least acknowledging. And moving to something different. Um, and they really went, but not only did they back off just some of their policies, they went almost a 180 and basically said, well, yeah, we're going to make the Xbox One a dev box. And I mean, everyone we'll says you... we should rename this the Xbox 180. Right. Might as well. Because it's. Uh... Hey, as long as they keep going into good choices, I'm all for them backpedaling and changing their, yeah. their decisions. I'm glad they're willing to admit they were wrong. I'm still have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that they wanted what they really wanted was to go down the path of evil. The, the they want to do the, the greediest makes the most money for them and cares the least about the player base. Was there that was their initial position in, in all of these areas that people have been screaming about? So in their heart of hearts, they wanted to not care about us and only care about their wallets. The PR department is going back to me saying, guys, you can't show them that that's how you are. You can't do these things or you're never going to sell another product. And right. you know, because they've been called on it so loudly, they're backpedaling now, but that's not what they really wanted to do. And oh, yeah. you look at the Sonys of the world and Sony came out and they may have had the debate in their boardroom where they said, wouldn't it be great if we you know, could do all these things that make us the maximum money, but ultimately they decided and came to the public with, now nah, we're going to treat you well and we're going to treat our developers well and we're not going to charge you extra when we, when we don't really need to and we're not going to stop the indie developers from publishing or, or make it onerous for them to publish and just out of the gate made all the decisions that I would prefer my company that I'm cheering for and whose product I, I want to use. You know, it's, I'm getting into tribalism here and you know the, the fanboy i'm i'm in this camp and you're in that camp which is what we do um sure but i'm i'm glad and and of mixed feelings at the same time on seeing microsoft backpedaling i'm, I'm glad they're backpedaling I'm, I'm glad they're turning around these decisions i'm not glad that they put themselves in the position where they had to well but remember it's not like sony came into this or PlayStation 4 from a from a fantastic PlayStation 3 experience. Oh, no, they got they got kicked in the teeth throughout the PlayStation 3 and basically came in having to already be in that position of we really need to start winning people over to us. Um, whereas Xbox came out saying we were kind of the kings of that age or we definitely won, I would say, that iteration of consoles. And maybe we're riding a little too high and got knocked down a notch from, from when, when they made their announcement. And this is why competition is a good thing, kids. Right. Exactly. So it keeps people a little more honest, I think, in it. I'm just happy, you know, 
Xbox is acknowledging this, and you know they haven't had my credit card number taken yet, so <laughs> that they've uh, admitted to. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this segment. Uh, brought to you by Doghouse Systems, who are helping us with our uh, attempt to upgrade into the video era and lay to rest our poor dying Dell XPS laptop. Check them out on the web at doghousesystems.com. And we shall return. I've got, uh, I think this one's got Pollen Storm. Ah, yes. I have the live performance of Nun Fight from Wootstock 4.0 for you guys. Always a crowd pleaser. We shall return right after this. Title and background music for this production provided courtesy of Sean Beeson, composer for media. Find him on the web at www.seanbeeson.com. That's S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N.com. I do believe it is the part of the set where we sing a song about boxing nuns. So imagine, just for the next five minutes or so, that we are no longer here at the Balboa Theater enjoying Woodstock. Just for a while. We are now in a vast boxing cathedral. No, actually, the, the appropriate response is, oh. I don't know why Buddhists are in a cathedral, but... <laughs> Buddhists in a Cathedral is my George Harrison cover band. Yeah. 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 It's a think piece. It's a think piece is my yes cover band. Ah. And here in our boxing cathedral, high above, a single microphone descends. Ladies and gentlemen, we present our title bout for the evening. In this corner, weighing in at 114 pounds, by the Sisters of Our Lady of the Immaculate Right Cross With a record of 23 and 1 With 15 knockouts, 3 TKOs 2 decisions, 3 conversions And 1 exorcism The High Priestess of Penance, the Pounding Penguin, the Assassin of the Passion, the Singing Nun, and the Roman Catholic Ricky Ball. From Dublin, Ireland, Sister Mary Catherine, the Habit Breaker, And in this corner, weighing in at an even 82 pounds, by way of the order of St. Adelaide of Perpetual Confrontation. 
nation With a record of 66 and 6 With one disqualification for using a The Vatican Vixen, the Pontiff's Pitbull, the original sinner, the homicidal bride of Christ, the assaulter from the altar, the undertaker, and the mother superior of kicking pasty. From Mexico City, Sister Maria Teresa Garcia Graziella Aguilera Delgado Francisco Diego Arroyo Rito Montoya Zapata Paquito Aguapo Abuelita De La Boom Boom Mendoza In nomine Patris et Fili Spiritus Sancti. Now let's get ready to rumble. Researched Chaos. Casually Hardcore continues live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. Research Chaos brought to you by you. Our all-volunteer research team contributes to the research thread every week and brings us all the weirdest from the web for which we thank them. Contributors this week include MacBit, not to be confused with MacButt, and he of the sexy foreign voice, what makes Daxa all tingly, Aid. And the title... This week of the thread, one billion podcast subscriptions edition. One hundred billion dollars. Moving on. Thank you again to all of the contributors. And if you want to contribute yourself, come to the forums at Versus the World and send a personal message to Gnomewise and I will get you access to the forum. We welcome your input. What do you want to start with, Grail? Uh, let's start with the board game. Okay. The Kickstarter one? Yeah. So this was the other side of the coin from the wonderful success of Shadow Run, Shadow Run Returns, as discussed. And this is from the Penny Arcade Report. So penny-arcade.com. Legal advice and print and play. What will happen to the cancelled 122,000 board game Kickstarter? Kickstarter campaign for The Doom That Came to Atlantic City ended with over $122,000 in funding, much more than the initial $35,000 goal. The latest update on the campaign was something of a shock when a man named Eric Chevalier claiming that no games will be printed, no content will, be made, will make it out to fans, and refunds may be offered at some point in the future. Backers were, quite understandably, not happy with the situation, and the cryptic details in the update didn't help things. And basically they reached out to 
this guy and said, and said, hey, what? who are you? Number one, because this is a name no one had heard associated with this uh, project before now. Who are you and what does this mean? And basically he lawyered up. He said, I'd really like to talk about the project, but I need to wait until next week so I can get some legal advice. Yeah. So who knows what led to this? What they can tell us is the company that actually made the game and the guys whose names were on the front page of the uh, Kickstarter, as you were saying, well-known game developers. Um, this is who we have here. I've lost my point here. No. Lost it. My page has suddenly gone blank. Uh, can you guys even still hear me? Have I gone off the internet completely? No, we're here. Oh, there we go. Okay. So Keith Baker, one of the designers of the game, uh, shared the, with some details on them. Uh, he said, Eric's not new. He's always been the main man behind the curtain. I didn't, I, Keith Baker speaking, did not set up the Kickstarter. It was set up by his company, The Forking Path. My name is on the front page because I made the game, and it's a good piece of PR for him to use. But my relationship to the company, The Forking Path, is exactly the same as my relationship with any other publisher. They license the rights to my games, and I get a royalty. And they basically said, we delivered the game to them. As promised, we completed our work, and they basically turned the rights and the materials back over to us. So we've got control of the intellectual property again. We have no idea what's going on over there where the $122,000 is, we didn't receive a penny. So the guys who actually made the game, and the game, so it's not a matter of it not getting completed. It was finished and in, in, in a form of ready to go to the printers, and the guys who developed the games thought it was at the printers, and they were as surprised about this as any of the rest of the, the backers were. So weird goings-on over there, apparently. That's got to suck for the poor inventors of the game. They think they finally, you know, they finally get their game printed. It's going to be out there for people to play. And then all of a sudden, nope, here you go. Here's your game. Well, they basically promised to convert the assets into a form where people can, and they'll give it out freely, and people can print it themselves and go to town. So basically, you'll need to use your own paper and your own cardstock, but you'll be able to get the completed game the only thing they won't get is there were some pewter figurines that were um, designed as part of this project, and they won't be able to reproduce those. But the rest of the game they plan to give out for free uh, to anyone who wants it. The people will just need it. will be basically PDFs that people download, and then they will have to print themselves. Right, right. I mean, at least they can get something out of it. But at the same time, yeah, it's one of those, I guess, almost buyer beware. I don't know. It's you. You almost have to do a little more due diligence now with a Kickstarter to realize. Well, just because they're featuring this guy who created all these games prominently on the Kickstarter page, doesn't necessarily mean he's the one that actually put the page up. And maybe I'm not giving money direct. Obviously, in this case, you weren't even giving money to him. You were giving money to a parent company or one that bought the rights to it. And you really have no idea what that money was used for. Yeah, or if we don't even know if the money has been spent, if the money's sitting there, because yeah. because they, they made the they, they intimated there that refunds of some kind might might be forthcoming, but we we have no final word on that disposition. There's a section in the article here that just simply says, "So what happened to the money? If Keith Baker right. and Lee Moyer never received payment and the game was never printed, what happened to the money?" And until they this Eric person talks, it sounds like that, and it sounds like they may be talking through lawyers. We may never know, right? Well, and that's why I mean, most Kickstarters they do have the creator 
do a little video telling you about why they do the Kickstarter. I guess that's what you should watch out for now from now on because any of the games that I've even thought about kickstarting have always had the actual person creating the game in a video embedded on the website saying, this is why I want the money, this is what I'm going to do with it. Right. I mean, so. this, is, this seems like you know, there's some... In hindsight, there seems to have been some deliberate sleight of hand here where the names that were put up on the front of the Kickstarter, if you weren't paying close attention to, okay, who's you know actually, who's the name on the Kickstarter's campaign instead of the name on the graphics as game by you know, these guys that you really love. And in small print, is going to be published by this other company that you've never heard of before. Run by people we're not going to tell you about. So read the fine print, buyer beware, I think maybe the moral of the story. It'll be interesting to see if they do make good and give complete or at least partial refunds. Because if this other company did all the developing and finished the work and didn't get paid, then in theory, none of that money should have been spent because the guys who are holding the money have done nothing. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. So, I mean, you know, I think we've talked about Kickstarter a lot of times, and there's obviously that inherent risk in doing this that you could have something get fully funded and then them just not produce. And we've seen a couple uh, cases where that's happened. So, you know, like any investment, there's a risk associated with it. Yep. So, caveat emptor. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what else we got in... Research chaos, and I'm on the wrong damn page. There we go. The internet hates me. So, TSA, Fatherland Security, I mean Homeland Security. Uh, mm -hmm. So, they've massively inconvenienced uh, our ability to travel quickly. And so, they're putting in place a new program to speed the security lines. All you have to do is give up even more of your privacy. Yay, America. Yeah, but you know what? Like, giving up when you travel and your address or whatever in order to not have to wait in that huge line and not have to take off your shoes and be able to drink a freaking, especially here, a bottle of water, being able to take a bottle of water with you, I would pay the 85 bucks. And... Why do you have to consider that? I mean, the 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 inconvenience is there. Yes, you're getting out of the inconvenience, but I, I would submit to you that the inconvenience should not have been there in the first place. Well, yeah, but that's not going to change. It's already there. Oh, I, so I, I subscribe to the belief a... that it should change because it's completely unconstitutional. <laughs> well, yes. However, like I said, it's already there. If I'm going to fly <laughs> already... And it's already in place. I'd rather pay the $85. I've got nothing to hide, so I'm fine with them knowing where I live. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, having to pay money for it into what fund exactly? Where is that potentially billions of dollars going to go? Well, I don't know. It's uh -huh. not in the and article. I, and I don't think they want you to know. Uh, it's, it's To me, that's, that's essentially a travel tax. Um, you can say, well, you don't have to pay it. And they can also say, well, you don't have to fly on airplanes. Well, yeah, now they have TSA checkpoints on trains, too. So you can't really avoid uh, you know, TSA anymore at all, unless you drive your own car. <clears throat> Border Patrol checkpoints, cough, cough. Um, 
it just it seems like one just insult on top of injury here. I, I've got some rather severe issues with. I mean, my one of my favorite. Uh, Know, tilting at windmills story or, or trying to go up against the man story was a nerd like us who made, you know, a software developer made his millions uh, by just software dev being in the right place at the right time and was kind of bored and decided to see if he could figure out why exactly we have to, to show travel papers in the United States where he was pretty sure there's stuff in the Constitution that says you shouldn't have to show travel papers in order to travel. So he attempted to get on a plane without showing government-issued ID. And, of course, you know, we stopped uh, by the airline saying, well, you, you can't get on the plane without showing government ID. And he began the challenge of, oh, really? Why not? Where does it say I have to do this? Well, we have a policy. Oh, you, you can't have a policy to, to violate my constitutional rights. And eventually w went through all the, the very deliberate challenges of why do I have to show this? Why do I have to show this all the way up through the FAA and got it all the way to the Supreme Court where the ruling came out saying, yes, there is a law that says you must provide government-issued valid identification to board an airplane. And when his attorneys say, asked, what law is that? The response came back, well, it's a secret law. <laughs> it's a secret law. So in case you didn't know it, we have secret laws in this country that you can't read, but apply to you. To me, that's not the country I think I live in. So this fits right into that same kind of puzzle of why do I have to do these things? And, and I just want to know, where's this money going that you're having me pay to get out of this thing that you shouldn't be having me do mm. anyway, this just stinks to me. Yes, I understand. Yeah. I understand it's inconvenient. This is a good way to get around, especially if you, you know, basically the argument of, well, if you have nothing to, to hide, you, you shouldn't have any problem with this. Uh, that way lies madness. But... Well, and, you know, I, I'm not one for getting groped all the time, so... You don't like the freedom grope? I just don't care for it. No. Well, go go get irradiated instead, then. No. Why? You don't like getting extra doses <laughs> of radiation? Come on. It's a happy thing. They're giving you free radiation. I mean, come on. How, Only if superpowers how... come along with that free radiation. Well, they keep trying, and one of these days they're gonna they're, they're gonna get a <laughs> one hit. One time it'll stick. Right, and and you could be the one. It's like the lottery. You're playing the genetic lottery. So you should be queuing up for that. So, come on, spider powers. Come on, spider powers. No? No, okay. No. But Not anyway. really. So TSA hopes that to have at least a quarter of the traveling public enrolled in expedited screening by the end of the year. Um, to And the side effect, this should be an improvement for everyone if they get enough people to buy into this, where... People who are going through the express lane where they've already been pre-screened, been fingerprinted, paid their money, and are going through the fast line, they won't be in the regular security line. So that, theoretically, should move faster, too, if they're taking the money from this and actually using it to employ additional screeners. What I suspect will really happen is they'll just take screeners out of the whole pool, give some of them to this other line, and give fewer to the regular non-paying line, and make it even worse. 
we'll see how it actually pans out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think government-wise, it's been pretty well proven that just because you're giving money to one department doesn't necessarily mean they're going to use that money to improve that department's performance. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, where is this money actually going to be spent? Well, yeah, but I mean, where does the money for stamps go? Apparently, not enough of it into the actual U.S. post office. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, or taxes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that we pay money or fees for that we don't exactly know exactly where it goes. We just know it goes into the federal income. Right. It goes into <laughs> a, into a bucket. There, and then stop asking. Go away. Yeah, exactly. It goes in the lockbox. Yes, so. It goes into the black box, the magic black box. Yeah. But in return for you know giving your personal information and money to them, you can not have to take off your shoes anymore. You can leave your belt on, and you can wear a light jacket, and you'll have a dedicated, expedited security line. And you can keep the laptop in a bag without having to put it through, you know, pull it out and put it through the scanner separately. And you'll have a small water bottle uh, that you can keep in your bag. They should get it like, you know, for 150 bucks, you can bring a taser with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm all for the $150. When they get to letting me bring my own harpoon, give me a call. Yeah. I'm not sure that'll fit in the overhead bin, though. Yeah, that might be a tough fit. Collapsible <laughs> harpoon. Somebody needs to design the collapsible harpoon and fold away harpoon gun. Somebody get right. on that right now. Right, right. It needs to be made out of ceramic and plastic. And now I'm on a government watch list. Yep, exactly. Pay your 85 bucks. Shout out to all the NSA people listening in, and we know you are. All right, so we've got a couple more minutes here. And where did that one go? That one turned out not to be true. <laughs> There's a big, right. big uproar there. Oh, God, they're taking jail out of Monopoly. It's like, no, that was for one special edition, and no, 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 just no, shut up and go away. No, no. Believable, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so it matches reality. No jail for uh, industrialists now. For moguls, that's right. But there's a good one here that you found from uh, theguardian.co.uk talking about uh, Edward Snowden, the whistleblower who brought to our attention the fact that the NSA was gathering massive amounts of data on everybody, pretty much. And the title of this story is Edward Snowden is not the story. The fate of the Internet is the press has lost the plot over the Snowden revelations. The fact is that the net is finished as a global network and the U.S. firm's cloud services cannot be trusted. Yeah. Then this is an interesting fallout from the revelations about the massive spying and the fact that every piece of Internet data on every U.S. ISP passes through a black box that nobody knows what it does. There's these secure rooms that nobody at the ISPs are allowed to go into where their fiber trunk goes in one side, comes out the other side, and something happens in between that nobody knows about. And so people from overseas are now desubscribing and canceling contracts with cloud service providers who are based in the U.S. hand over fist because, like, your government has their hands in all of your stuff. We can't trust our data on your services. And there's this mass migration away from U.S. service providers. Yeah. Oops. I mean, I don't know if there's anywhere else that's safer if you're going to go to the cloud-based computing. Unless you build but... it yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you'd have to be self-owned because if you don't own it and you're using a cloud-based resource from any company... You've already, you know, we've talked about this before. You've already lost control of that data. Absolutely. So it's really silly for you, be it a U.S.-based company, a, you know, French-based company, a China, it doesn't matter. 
if you're if you've given your your data to another company to administer, you have no idea if they've decided that well, you know, this ex such and such government has pressured us and we need to now allow folks to look in on that. Right. And and that's basically the decision that these various companies are facing is I guess we're going to have to do it ourselves if we're going to have this thing because either their their clients will never sit still for that they they then resell services to or you know for whatever business reason or you know just ethical reason that they back out of the uh, the whole concept and want to do it themselves because eh, we didn't know this was happening if we thought about it pretty hard we probably would have assumed it was happening but now that we know for sure we can't stay with you anymore all right so yeah, they've, so all all the news is all about oh Snowden's in Moscow, Snowden's in Moscow. What's Snowden going to do this? What the, and they're all talking about the guy, and I've seen very little talk about what about he, what he revealed to us and the implications of that. Yeah, well, again, I mean, you it it has there's it's a complex discussion about what they were actually doing, and I you know our unfortunately our news media tends to shy away from complex discussions. You think? <laughs> The, the sound. It's very easy to just say where in the world is you know Edward Snowden, Snowden. Diego. Yeah, it's uh, that makes for a, a quicker story and easier to understand uh, headline. Uh, it's easy to manufacture all kinds of controversy and and you know buzzwordy uh, panel shows around it, and all while not confusing the audience about you know metadata and data mining and data warehousing and things that just are not part of people's vocabularies. Um, so they just, I understand that it's a harder sell, but aren't you supposed to be journalists and be going after the stuff that matters? No, that's right. It's yeah. Dead. Well, not even from a technical standpoint, but I think you also have just, it's a real complex thing. Where's the line between safety and privacy? Yeah. And what, what, how do you figure out where that should be? And I think everybody's line is different though. Right. Oh, it is it is a highly personal thing, but there are some lines that you can, you know, make the argument that, that you know, factually you shouldn't pass this particular line. I mean, there's there's the famous quote of those who sacrifice uh privacy or sacrifice what is it? Sacrifice freedom in order to gain safety deserve neither. So where on that spectrum you know do we land i think wholesale gathering and storing data on people who have done nothing suspicious and have no there's no reason to suspect them of having done or being likely to do anything criminal i think that's over the line i don't care how easy it is to do it the big part of the problem is here it's become technologically so easy to do that they've been able to talk themselves into thinking, well, then we should be doing it. If all I have to do is press a button and I can have all this data, that makes my, that makes me, you know, researching crimes after the fact or looking for patterns easy. So I should do it. And I think, uh, just cause it's easy. Doesn't mean you shouldn't, that you should be doing it. <laughs> so yeah, it's all, it, you're right. It, it's fantastically, complex discussion and i think that is why the, the bigger media outlets are shying away from it this is this is part of the reason why i contribute to and the reason why we have the electronic frontier foundation and similar uh, organizations who do understand these arguments and will f fight uh against things that cross the line so check right. out the eff on the internet because right. they're awesome oh and we're over time damn it yeah <laughs> 
Sorry, you got my... See, too complex of a discussion. (laughs) I got my dander up. But anyway, you are listening to Casually Hardcore live on alphageekradio.com. When we return, your calls. So get your copies of Skype ready, point them at GnomeWise. And to remind you, we were talking about how's your feeling towards Kickstarter in the light of revelations of both the fantastic news of things like Shadow and Returns delivering pretty much everything promised and other stories where $122,000 just kind of goes away despite the product actually being finished and ready to be distributed. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. So where do you land on that whole spectrum of, yeah, am I likely to give to Kickstarter or or are you least likely to, to examine who you're giving to more closely than before? And also as we move forward in video, do you see video as a companion to the podcast or an eventual replacement where we will all be carrying high-speed data devices that are video-capable and video will become the expected norm for fan-created content, small-scale stuff like what we do? We shall return right after a little more Jonathan Colton. And because Barry's on the stream, it's, of course, Skullcrusher Mountain. We'll be back right after this. Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants Studios, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Welcome to my secret lair on Skullcrusher Mountain. That you've enjoyed your stay so far I see you met my assistant Scarface His appearance is quite disturbing I assure you he's harmless enough He's a sweetheart, calls me master And he has a way of finding pretty things
I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Nerds with opinions. Casually Hardcore continues live on alphageekradio.com. And time for your opinions, oh nerds of ours, and ours too, but mostly yours. Uh, and the listener who tried to call in during the break, try again. I rejiggered some settings in Skype here. Hopefully we'll actually be able to... Uh, bring you in. Let me see I can bring you in instead of having you call you with our extreme bandwidth limitations. How about now? Can you hear us now? Maybe. Check test one, two. If you're speaking, we cannot hear you. I'm a nerd. And, Try again? Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Nerds! That was interesting. We were getting our own audio back to us. <laughs> I think our caller needs to go into his Skype settings and choose a different microphone input. Because we were listening to his computer audio, which is somewhat meta when we're hearing our own show coming back to us, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Stranger things have happened. We can always try this guy here. Aha. No, let's see here. There he is. Uh-oh. I think I got you, uh, oh, great and powerful Boba, and then I managed to hang up on everyone else, I think. <laughs> Let me uh, do you, do you differently. Hang on. Well, that's going to take some editing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, we're on hold. <laughs> yeah. I, did it play like really cool music for you? Saying, okay, Boba Dragon. Boba was trying to call in. And I see we have uh, a bearded one on the line here as well. How are you doing there? Uh, oh, he who must not be named. I wasn't prepared for you to call me. Ah, you see, because that's how I roll. I sneak up on you. <laughs> So, uh, it was about a sneaky. It was about sneaky. I'm waiting for Zibobo to try and call again and add him to the call properly this time. We do. Mm. Mm. So what's uh, what's your world? Did you uh, what are your feelings on one of those topics, if any? Or what? What if we said this show to anger you? 
<laughs> um, I don't think video will kill the radio star, the podcasting forum, uh, necessarily. Uh, I, I'm so far been pretty lucky with my Kickstarters. Uh, I haven't been, uh, I've been nice and choosy, so I've I've only contributed to ones that I was pretty sure were going to pay out, uh, you know, or from reliable sources and such like that. Uh, I'm still waiting on my um, Code Monkey swag uh, from that uh, Kickstarter, but uh, oh, the Code Code Monkey comic book series. Oh yes, yeah. I gave them quite a bit of money. <laughs> As well, you should. Yes, um, and. Um, what is another one? Oh, the Penny Arcade downloadable content one uh, for the pod. They, they wanted to. People, they did a Kickstarter to start doing their podcast again, and the goal was only ten dollars. So the, all the money was like stretch goals. Awesome. And I've already gotten the flash drive with a bunch of really awesome stuff on it, and um, I've been getting the updates with the new podcasts. Uh, you know, the contributors get an email and says the new podcast is up on the super secret website. Click here and go check it out. And uh, those have been awesome. Uh, it's been on hold since they've been in Australia. Well, uh, understandably. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Now, joining us through the Miracle of the Tubes, since you didn't contribute to the uh, research said this week, I'm glad you called in so you would have my experience, my, my excuse to. Say your name, which is Boba Fetish. Welcome to the con. Hey, Gnome. <laughs> How's your world? Uh, my world is crazy, but that's beside the point. <laughs> what are your feelings on any or either of today's call-in topics? Um, video will not replace podcasts, although it will definitely supplement them. Because um, even you guys are doing a version of that with the Google Hangouts. Yeah. Um, but I I download audio only podcasts all the time. This way I can actually listen to something as I go to work. So it's, uh, th that's the thing that I always come back to is, yeah, yeah, but I can't watch video while I'm driving between clients, but I can do audio. Yep, and exactly. e even when I'm on a bus, I don't always want to watch a video while I'm on the bus. So audio for me, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely use if I can tune in live or watch it on YouTube. Great, I'll watch a video version. But not always possible. All right. And have you any, any Kickstarter experiences, or are you not a Kickstarter type? Um, I've done a few of them, um, uh, mainly the Scott Johnson stuff. I've also done a couple of side ones, like with the Captain Canuck uh, web series on Indiegogo. Um, Cap wait, 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 back up the truck. Captain Canuck. Yes, Captain really? Canuck. Really, Captain Canuck? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you guys you get Canadians. Captain America. You crazy we, you Canadians. You get Captain America, we get Captain Canuck, okay? <laughs> but okay, I, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll give that one to you. <laughs> I backed that one. I backed a couple of them. Um, the Indiegogo works differently than Kickstarter. Indiegogo, they get the money regardless whether or not they make the final total. Okay. So it's that's well, a bit different. Kickstarter, at least if you... If they don't make their total or they cancel it, you get your money back. Well, I had the option when I created the Indiegogo. I could have gone either with the you take whatever you get option or it only you only get the money 
if you fund completely. And I deliberately chose the you only get the money if you uh, fund completely version because I don't want to do this halfway. I want to go all the way and get it all or try a different way if, it, if this does not work. So I don't want to take money from people and then do what these you know the tabletop guys did. And say, eh, we got your money. Bye-bye. No, that's not how I roll. Yeah. Yeah. And I prefer that route rather than take whatever they get and just walk away and then you're pretty much, okay, what? I back for X number of things and you're going to only produce one that's all the money you got. All right. I think I'm stretching the old... Uh the old DSL farther than it can go, so I'm going to thin out the uh, bandwidth. Yeah, stop adding people. Hey, 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 hey. I'm trying to be good to people. I want to leave them dangling. Okay, so, Boba, be well. I'm going to send you to the curb. Okay. Later, guys. And Bye. Okay, so, David, who's been trying desperately to call in, is your microphone working this time? Yes, I think so. Ha-ha, <laughs> it worked, finally. Who's calling? Victory. Victory. <laughs> this is Gaunt. Gaunt, how are you this fine day? Yeah. I am doing okay. I am glad you guys are enjoying Arrow. And yeah, it's on CW, by the way. Oh, okay, gotcha. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it, had a, it had a W in it. Well, uh, what was it? Uh, WB and UPN had a love child. And it was CW. Yeah, or something. Well, there's just the line from, if you've ever seen the... Uh... Britannic uh, video called "Sexy Pool Party." He said, "Wow, you looked, you looked really sexy there for a minute. I mean, I mean, like CW sex." So apparently, that's a thing. <laughs> so, how do you feel about today's call-in topics? Ah, uh, well, I had talked uh, the other week about uh, going on hiatus from you guys and coming back just in time to uh, have your you go on hiatus from us. Turnabout, and fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the thing that really sucks the most from that is that I missed. The Code Monkey Kickstarter mm-hmm. until after it was over. Oh, sorry. You'll have another yeah. chance. But uh, it's one of those things uh, that it, it's going to be interesting to look at the legal cases. Uh, I actually, I'm a legal librarian, and and so I'm uh, and I also focus on intellectual property issues. So I'm very curious. To watch how these things are going, I think they're going to follow the standard pattern that other, you know, uh, products liability, uh, products liability and go away. Oh, he's back. Hello, there you are. Oh. No, you didn't. You're there. Oh, am I still here? You're Was still I here. here the entire. I hear you. Okay. Daxa Grail, uh, do you hear us? Okay, I was saying that uh, I'm actually you now. I'm a legal librarian, and. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, any legal cases relating to these productions go. As far as people drop the ball and don't uh, don't deliver. Exactly uh, the taking uh, taking of funds, and well, it's going to be interesting to see whether it's considered to be like uh, uh, the the uh, the um, fiduciary obligation that is due to uh, to investors, mm-hmm. or is it going to be uh, you know, assumption of risk or well, what? I would, it would probably boil down to whatever is on the legal boilerplate that's that you click on, you agree to when you donate to a Kickstarter. How well written that has been would probably be a big part of that. Yep, which is then going to throw into other types of stuff because instead of most types of things where people assume that you're going to have read a significant contract, uh, it's going to be uh, probably more comparable to some of the shrink wrap licensing issues mm-hmm. that people have talked. Now, that being said, 
what is your attitude towards Kickstarter right now? Are you still likely to kickstart things you see, or are you steering away from it and waiting to see a longer history of how these things pan out? I'm a super cheap SOB, so I tend to be somewhat minimalist unless it's something <laughs> really into, and I, I'm going to be you know enthusiastic about it enough that I don't care. I want to throw money at it and hoping that something will come out of it or something where I'm sh pretty sure this is minimal enough and I'm putting a small enough investment into it that, yeah, okay, I think they were going to go. But do you treat it as gambling? Oh, gosh, yeah. Okay. At this point, until there's law on the subject, yeah, it's gambling. It's money that's just gone. As soon as you spend it, it's... And if you happen to get something back for it later, dandy, but you don't expect to get anything back out of it. Oh, absolutely. And you, I mean, you got to keep in mind that people, I mean, people talk about investing in the stock market. That's mm -hmm. generally gambling, too. I mean, you're not guaranteed to get anything back out of it. This, at least, you have some clue as to what you're going to get back out of it, other than numbers. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Thank you very much for the call. And we'll catch you next time as I assassinate my bandwidth even more. All right. We got one more on the line here. Who's calling? Can it's you? true. Ah, true. We managed, managed hey, to not, not kill all of your bandwidth. Welcome to the show. Uh, hi, guys. It's just like, uh, well, it's like, uh, it's been an interesting week for me on the show. I've lost the show several times because my last cable company, which I'm going to have to go have a screaming match with them later. So I'm listen to this on archive as well but uh i think i got the just the topics mm -hmm. and uh as far as audio versus video is like well the uh, podcast brought back the talking head show basically i mean how many mclaughlin groups were there left on tv before and now we've got a million we have the twits we've got your shows we've got the whatevers where you get these really great conversational sh programs That'll never go away. And they don't always make the great, greatest video. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how we're going to supplement with that once if we get our hands on this technology, what it's actually going to look like. But that's fun and for the future. But you don't think it one does one kill the other, though? I mean, if you move into video, you're automatically walking away from audio, or is there a home for both like was observed earlier? No, I think it's definitely a home for both. I mean, there are things you can do when you have the video to enhance the, the proverbial talking head thing without having to completely overload it. Let's go I mean, to the tape. Exactly. I mean, if you were listening to the Twit podcast, this is really interesting for the podcast listeners, so let's move on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 on the Kickstarter front, it's like, yeah, I, I, I admit it, I got into the whole Kickstarter and there with the uh, it was at the Double Fine Adventure, and at the same time, I was also going to the Giant to the Playground reprint drive, which was another one that went completely insane, where the guy came in for a few thousand dollars and he walked out with over a million for a comic book for a comic strip reprint. Um, and then, of course, while you guys were on hiatus, I, I completely lost my mind and put two hundred fifty dollars into a game one, which was the upcoming Hex MMO. It's like, uh, yes. God help me on that one! I have no idea what I was on at the time. <laughs> you were on Kickstarter. That's what you were. So you obviously still have positive feelings about it because you're still giving them money. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for calling in. I've got to wrap this one up because we've got to head down the mountain here. And it seems like the DSL is having uh, a seizure anyway. So thanks for calling in, Drew. Be well. <laughs> no problem. All right, Arizona or Phoenix contingent. Any final words before we sail off into the or down the mountainside, as it were? 
Not really, no. <laughs> well, I covered it. <laughs> Matt, we're you good. guys pretty much covered it. Yep, see ya. Yeah. All right, you have been listening <laughs> to Casual Hardcore Live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. Check us out on the web. Sponsor a segment sometime. Send us five bucks and you can make us say funny things to introduce the various segments of the show. We'll say what you want, whatever you want, in whatever voice you want, within reason, of course, within the boundaries of good taste. Check out our new sponsor, Doghouse Systems, at doghousesystems.com. Join us in the research thread if you want to send us the interesting and weird you discover in the web during the week. Get over to the forum, sign up, send me your name, and I'll get you on the board. Find us on the Facebook. We are there. Just search for Casually Hardcore. Uh, you can find us on Google Plus as well. Twitter, we are Hardcore Casuals, Alpha Geek Radio for the network, and the rest of us. We will be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel, hopefully with superior bandwidth. In the meantime, I have been Gnomewise. I have been Daxa. And I have been Grail. And we are out of here. Bye-bye, radio people.